When we see creators license songs that they love, the level of engagement in the comment section and watch time goes through the roof. All right, Lee. What's happening this week? Well, uh, today we're talking to Paul Sampson, who's the CEO of Licked, and we discuss with Paul the often misunderstood and sometimes scary world of music licensing. That's right. And because Fred has the musical taste of a six-year-old man on the back porch and thinks the only music is the travelling hillbilly, wilburys, or who knows what, we've left him behind, and you and me, Lee, let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Paul Sampson, the CEO and co-founder of Licked. Good morning, good evening. G'day, Paul. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Great. Hey, um, and I should point out, Fred's run away somewhere. I think he's joined the circus or he's gone to have some beard grooming advice. We're not really sure, but Lee's back in the hot seat. So, hey, how are you going, Lee? Hey, everyone. Great to be back again after a few weeks of uh, just being behind the scenes. Every now and then we let Lee onto a microphone instead of editing. <laughs> hey, anyway, back to Paul. Hey, um, who are you? What do you do? Let's give a quick intro. I'll outsource that to you. Great. Good man. Okay, so I'm Paul Sampson. As you said, I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Licked. And Licked is the world's first um, commercial music or popular music licensing platform for social video creators. Um, and if you're wondering what that means, uh, it means that we are, we're trying to build Spotify for creators, right? Or Mecca for micro licensing. We all know that using famous music, particularly on YouTube, uh, in your videos has been fraught with dangers before, copyright claims and, and such like. And we set out to solve that problem once and for all and sign it, uh, consign it to history. So we, uh, we, we set about you know, solving that problem. That's our mission. And, and we aim to get every song in the world available legally and cleanly and simply uh, for licensing into the fastest growing production sector in the world. Love it. And then I guess looking back and, you know, you mentioned it, it's like it, it is a, like a, a sticky, tricky place of, of licensing popular or chart music for social videos and YouTube. But like, why, where does that come from? Why is it just so fraught with challenges and so hard for? Yeah. Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons, right? If you, if, if you want to sort of get the, the background of it, when the, when the, when the music, when, in terms of the music industry, from their side of things, and bless them, we work with them very closely, so I'm not trying to upset anyone in the music industry right now, but, but typically through history, when it comes to adop, adopting innovation, they've only been slightly ahead of the Amish, right? They, they, the, the music industry resisted CDs. And, and what happens is when you come to the music industry with something innovative, they tend to say, listen, we're really busy squeezing the last bit of blood out of this current stone that we're holding, right? And the last thing we need is you bringing us more stones. So can you just go away? We just got used to this stone and we're just still bleeding it. And you go, but there's loads more stones. And they go, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them. So, so partly there's that, right? They've been a bit slow to, to, to respond to the problem. But then the, 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 this whole issue was, was an accident, right? Like what happened was you get, you get a, pla a platform like YouTube, like pops up. Um, YouTube started as a dating platform and ended up as a user-generated content platform. And then people start professionalizing their content, right? Even when it was really, really um, low grade in the very early days, people go, hey, when I watch content on all other media, there's music in it. So I'm going to put music in it. It's going to elevate my content. Um, and then the music industry learns that YouTube is growing exponentially. And I'm going back right to the beginning. 
And they start saying, well, hang on a minute. Now they've introduced this partner program. And now people are earning from YouTube. Not just YouTube, but people that use YouTube are starting to make money. And we think they're making money using content that includes our music. So all we want is the right to be able to identify when that music's being used and participate, right? Which seems fair. It's not unreasonable. Participate or or, or uh, bleed that stone, as to use your words. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But but but, but this is the un, the unintended. This is the the accidental consequence of what happened, right? So. So there were lots of legal battles, and, and um, there's something called article, there's something called um, safe harbors, right, which allows platforms that are of a certain size to um, to be free from legal persecution from from rights holders like film studios or record labels, if they are providing them with a way to identify any copyright infringement, right? And so YouTube went away and built Content ID. And content ID recognizes visual content and it recognizes audio content. It says to the music industry, look, we've now built this tool. That makes us compliant. We are now available under Safe Harbor. We, YouTube, are not a broadcaster. And and Lee, when they create a channel, they are the broadcasters. So we've built you this tool. You register your music, and if any of them are infringing your copyright, the system will tell you. Right, and if they haven't gone about legally licensing the music with you, then the system will put a copyright claim on their video. You'll be told about it, and on we go. But the, the, that's that's the right thing to do. But at no point did anyone in that conversation say, "Well, hang on a minute, what? They can't legally license the music, right? If you think about like take song A by let, let's take a song by say Dua Lipa, right? It's owned." Dua Lipa's recording is owned by a record label. There might be Dua herself and four other collaborating writers that wrote on that song. Well, every songwriter has their own publishing deal. And the second set of rights you have to clear behind the master, which is the, the recording of the song that the label owns, is the writer's rights and the performer's rights. And they are owned by publishers. So if I wanted to clear Dua Lipa, if I wanted to say, no, I want to use the song and I want everyone to get paid and I want to be legal, You'd have to locate the label, find who they were, what territory she uh, resides in, negotiate a fee with them, and then they wouldn't know who all the writers are or who their publishers are. And you'd have to go on this clearance journey of trying to find out who all the stakeholders are. And, and, and this is what happens in traditional media, in film and television, right? But they have business affairs teams and music clearance people and music supervisors and after you've done that job for five to ten years you pretty much know you have a contact number for everyone you need to go to but how do you expect joe on the street to go through that process so people start the channels the platform starts growing the channels start growing more of those channels enter into monetization into the partner program and the accidental issue is that copyright claims whilst providing the music industry with the rights that it deserves, which is to be able to identify when there's an infringement, the unintended consequence of that, because it only uh, recognised infringements, was that the channels with all the audience that were earning money suddenly were being precluded from working with commercial music because it all, Content ID always presumed it was a copyright infringement and because there was no way for them to act legally. Which, which is like 
you know, the reason why any time this is brought up, um, and like, you know, we, we, we run a lot of YouTube creator workshops and anything around music, we get inundated with people just asking questions about copyright strikes or how do you avoid that or how do you stop it happening? Um, and people basically just either are frustrated, run scared, um, roll the dice, you know, and use copyrighted music yeah. and all these different things. But it still feels like there's no certainty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of our journey, right? Like, you're right, right? And that's what we're trying to solve, right? And every day we get a bit closer to doing that. Um, but I sat there, in terms of my background, my career, as of 2005, I started putting music into all sorts of media, right? That was my job. Films, t uh, TV programming, TV promos, adverts, and so on. And I did that in New York, in LA, and in London, and, and did it for 15, 16 years. But about five years ago, I sat down and said, you know, there's not a production sector in the world that's growing at the pace of user-generated content. And... How are they, how are people on those platforms getting rights to use music? And that's when I learned about Content ID. And I sat there and I learned about it and just said, oh, wow, the, the commercial music sector has shot itself in the foot once again. Because that's what it does every time there's a new generation, a, a new innovation, right? It just goes, la, 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 we're not listening, right? So what happened was, and you'll be aware of this, you work closely with creators, right? Is that every creator said, well, sod this. I'm going to go and find some royalty-free or stock or stock music or some description, right? And, and let me tell you, I've worked in stock music. The biggest and best productions in the world also use stock music, right? It does something really well that you're not going to get from Adele, right? And that is suspense, comedy, thriller, action, adventure, drones, right? But they also use the biggest hits or their favorite artists. And I thought, well, why is it that the fastest growing production sector in the world is the only one precluded from working with both? That needs solving. And so I, you know, we learned about Content ID. We took the uh, YouTube certifications. And what I realized was that every music solution that, that, that you or your listeners have ever used or the creators you work with have ever used is a workaround. Come and use this stock music because you can't use commercial. Come and use this unsigned commercial music because it's not in content ID, right? And there were some good solutions out there and kudos to everyone that created one, right? But what we want is the solution, not loads of solutions, the solution where I can use anything I want. And that was our goal from the outset. We want to win every single label and rights holder and publisher in the world I want to make every song ever released available legally and simply for licensing into user-generated content without a copyright claim. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but, that, but that's our mission. And actually, we're getting pretty close. Are you running a similar, I guess, a similar battle or a similar course that what Spotify had to do when they first came through, like trying to, in all the streaming services, trying to get music labels over onto platforms? And that so, so can I just correct you there, Anne? You, you were right first time. Okay. Just Spotify, not all the music streaming services. Because there is no... Yeah. I guess the streaming of music has proved like a, a benefit for at least the labels. So and artists will probably start beating down my door, depending on who you are and how you're going. Um, but eventually they 
succumbed and, and went along with it and now they're sort of like streaming and, and touring are the biggest ways of making money and touring's a bit tricky at the moment in the world we live in. And then you look at the difference between music industry and being embedded in this online content and then like say the gaming industry and their IP and their content being used in videos. Why are they why is the music industry so different and combative, do you think? Like without kicking half your client base in the nuts. Um <laughs> Yeah. Look, I mean, I think I've answered part of that already, which is, which is, you know, they're very focused on squeezing more blood out of the existing stone, right? If I'm the business development guy at Universal, and Paul Sampson comes to me and says, hey, can I take up a lot of your time drafting new agreements for rights that haven't previously existed, and then ask you to go and ask thousands of artists, one by one in individual conversations, to sign up to this new world, when actually you could generate a billion more dollars in the next three months if you just focused on expanding your Spotify deal into India, right? And I'm going, no, 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 come and deal with me, right? And, and three years from now, we still won't have got this done. Uh, but three years after that, we might make half a billion, right? It, 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 like the business development people, they've got their targets, they've got their, their KPIs, and they know where the areas of growth are, right? Emerging markets for existing models are much more fruitful. But, you know, there are some innovation teams at these labels who, you know, they're small and they are trying to be agile, but they sort of incubate people like like Lict or, or you know, they say, look, you're right, this is a future model. So it's not necessarily that they're trying to be competitive, it's just that the music industry itself is so fragmented, right? It's so disparate. The fact that, I mean, genuinely, when we get delivered a song, we've cleared the master rights from the label. It's the label that delivers us the audio. We then have to do a data match and work out how many writers there were uh, and how many publishers those writers assigned to and how many of those publishers we already have clearance deals with and then how many more deals we are going to have to sign. I'm talking about contractual agreements in order to get that one song live on Licked. So it's just because that's the way the music industry's developed it takes a long time to get one song done so that's why it's slow right and it just goes oh god we've got to innovate for new media and that means going to all of these people and all of these stakeholders but you're right about the spotify thing we are to all intents and purposes going through the same battle and the same education piece that spotify went through because spotify was first to market and spotify said Here's the future. Here's a new business model. And people resisted it. Like they resisted downloads before that. And like they resisted LimeWire and Napster before that. Right? Um, Spotify had to fight those battles. And Spotify had to win label by label, territory by territory. And then user by user. All the others came along when Spotify had proven there was a business model there. Right? And once you've created all of those contracts and... Deezer, or no, not Deezer, actually, Deezer was pretty early as well. But let's say Tidal and, and Amazon and Apple come along and they go, hey, this looks really promising. Can I have one of those contracts that Spotify spent six years negotiating with you? Can you photocopy it and just put Amazon instead of Spotify, right? And music industry goes, yeah, I'll do that because I want Spotify to have competition because I don't want them to have a monopoly. So we are Spotify in that I spent five years having arguments with music executives in boardrooms all around the world on behalf of you and your audience and your client base. 
right? Saying, this is what creators need. This is why it's silly for you not to do business. This is the speed of the growth of the opportunity you're already missing. And by the way, forget about just YouTube. There's about to be Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Triller, right? And as soon as all those platforms allow creators to monetize, you're going to have a similar problem. Hey, Paul, I'm just going to say thank you on behalf of everyone for the work then that you've done in that because it actually does make a big impact. I've got two questions, though, um, that are linked. The first one is, are there any artists out there that you are hard on trying to get? I had the same question in front of me too, Lee. We must be, we should have synced on this in pre-production, but we didn't. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the number one search for artist on Lit that we do not have is Joke. Really? Interesting. Yes. The number one. Now, last year we had um, 300,000 searches for artists on the platform that we don't have. And that, that doesn't mean 300,000 artists. It means, you know, multiple people searching for lots of uh, for a smaller number of artists multiple times but um i won't go too much further than that because you know i don't want any one label to know what sort of leverage they have with us um but uh but yeah but look what I, i'll say this right in, in, by the way i should have explained in order for us to clear copyright claims we built software that forces content id into a decision making process a trial if you like, instead of its current operation, which is a presumption of guilt, right? In all democratic justice systems, you are innocent till proven guilty, except YouTube, where you're guilty till proven innocent, right? So what we did was built some software, which we own, which when a label signs with them, we say, hey, integrate this into your YouTube CMS. And any music you send us, instead of content ID just flagging it and claiming it, it will force it into a, a liaison with our software. And our software will say, hey, this was a Lyft user, and yes, they paid a license fee, right? So that's, that's how, it's, that's how the, the thing works. We had to build that. It took years to build that software, like 18 months. And then we had to build something that looked and felt like, like a Spotify or streaming platform on top of it. It doesn't happen quickly, right? It has to be able to automate and develop its own pages every time an artist is delivered. Where does the pictures go? How do we host the music? Where's the player? How are we storing the MP3? It's, it's, it's a mammoth undertaking that no one needs to hear about. But, but um, so over the five years, we didn't really start hitting any kind of scale until year four, which was last year, right? So last year, we started the year with about 10,000 label tracks on the platform. We ended the year with 95,000 label tracks on the platform. Wow. We are currently at just over 600,000 label and publisher owned tracks on the platform. And by the way, that comes from 8,000 labels and publishers, right? And each of those sign an individual agreement, right? So Universal, number one label in the world, is now signed with Licked. Warner Music, the number three label in the world, is now signed with Licked. BMG, the fourth biggest label and publisher in the world, is signed with Licked. And 7,966 labels and publishers beneath that. So we are getting there. It's definitely nice to know that your labor has paid off in spades now after all that, <laughs> all that hard work. Well, it is, yeah, because, otherwise, because it's really depressing otherwise. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
no. Well, the, the second part then of that previous question, which does tie a little bit into what you were talking about, and I'm going to relate this to traditional media, just so people who are listening maybe have some sort of comparison. So in traditional media, and you said you've done some work in that space before, if someone wants to put in their film or TV show a song, and I'm going to pick a band that I know is notorious for, they, they want to watch the movie, they want to watch the show before they approve it, which is one of my favorite bands, Led Zeppelin. Yes. So when Led Zeppelin decide to, like Jimmy Page or Robert Plant, they're going to watch your show. Yeah. To pay for the rights to use that on a film or TV is always, and I don't know the figures, but I know they're exorbitant amounts. For a creator who then says, I want to put a whole lot of love on my, that's a Led Zeppelin song for the people out there who are <laughs> too young to know this song. Yeah. But if they say, I want to put that song on my YouTube video, are they going to be paying comparable prices for that? No. Okay. That's, that's where I was going. Right. Okay. So, so uh, let me explain that piece then. So, so uh, every song on Licked is the same fee. Right, that's one thing I should I should mention because that isn't the case in traditional media. I fought very hard for that, um, and that fee will be determined by the size of your audience. Right, so if you are a uh, burgeoning creator and let's say you're averaging less than fifty thousand views per video, right, it will cost you six British pounds, seven euros, or eight US dollars. To use that song in a video right and and that's because our rate card essentially tries to charge you somewhere in the region of 10% of your estimated earnings and we have so there's a 0 to 50k views per video bracket and there's a 50 to 100k views per video bracket and it goes up and up and up and up to 2 million plus per video and if you started with no audience and then became PewDiePie over the course of a year every time you logged in your audience has grown the system recognizes that that means your earnings are growing exponentially and in traditional media the music budget is somewhere between seven and eleven percent of overall production budget and that's why it's sold into the music industry i'm going to enable the same thing but for ugc so you know that that's that's how the, the pricing works that's a, that's pretty encouraging for a creator the, the equitable way that that the tiers that that works that's really good it is and we're thinking about moving to a revenue share model so you're not having to pay up front and we just go listen you, you earn whatever one dollar fifty for every thousand views we're going to charge you 12 cents for every thousand views no already i'm thinking of a youtuber who we don't have anything to do with called rick beato he does uh listicles of you know the greatest guitar solos of all time and every single time he mentions led zeppelin or the eagles he says oh i can't play the clip for that song because i get flagged every single time and it ties to what you were saying before is that you're guilty before you know you have to prove your innocence as soon as you hint at a few bars of the song the other thing is there are certain rules around how much of a song you can play is that right where if you, no. you can get away it's not so it's just as soon as no. they recognize that song it's yeah. over yeah there were, there were never any rules about it that, that what people what, ha what happened was was that people realized i'm going back you know, six seven years right maybe even longer that content id needed to hear 30 seconds of a song before it could recognize it right and they were like if you play 29 seconds you can get away with it but but content id is a piece of software that youtube is always iterating right and so the 
30 seconds became 25 and 25 became 20. And now people are like, if you play less than three seconds, you can get away with it. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't rely on that, right? And, and, and over the course of time, Content ID will be good enough to eventually pick up on what you're doing. It's like those old cliches in the movie where they're trying to trace someone's phone and they're like, we need them to stay on the line in front of the train. We need them to stay the phone for another few seconds to catch it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to, to, to just to, to carry on on that scale piece, right? Because my mission, I won't be happy until there's 70 million songs on Licked because that's what's on Spotify, right? Um, we're going to hit our first million by the end of this year. Are you guys, do you guys use stock music companies in your content or, the, or with the creators you work with? Yeah, we're, we're, we, depending on the content, we're very lucky on this show. We have a beautiful piece of original beatboxing by Tom Thumb, who is a... The best beatboxer in the world. Just to yes, throw that. That's right. Well, congratulations. Um, <laughs> but yeah, of course. We, yeah, we drop that name in there. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good, good, good friend of the show, but he's also a very good artist. Um, yeah, we do. We, we use stock music and, and I would say most creators we know do other than the ones that are creating original music or have figured out a way um, to incorporate it without getting copyright strikes. So the most adopted or the most used stock music company on YouTube has achieved its user base, right, with a catalogue of 32,000 stock music tracks. We're going to hit a million label and publisher-owned tracks, right, just to give you an idea of the scale of the things we're trying to do, right? And that will be, if it's not past 3 million by the end of 2022, I'm going to be pissed, right, uh, if not more. So... <laughs> And, and once you hit, start hitting those sorts of numbers, you've achieved scale. You, you've achieved, you've won hearts and minds in the music industry. People start feeling left out. The people you haven't signed go, okay, quickly, let me catch up. And, and the road to 60 million is, is a lot, um, lot less travelled, a lot less traffic on it, right? Um, but I also recognise that, that, like I said before, people need stock music. They do. So uh, it's, you know, I, I won't go into our plans this much, but we will also have... Uh, a, a, a subscription service available. I can't say when, but but just for stock music, so that you don't have to keep going to this platform for this and that platform for that. Like I talked before about Mecca for micro licensing. I want to I want to go back to the labels and say, add the podcast right. Add the podcast so creator generation can legally use music, right? It, on on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast network you are, not just on YouTube, right? It's insane that these things aren't solved, and and that's that's our mission to go and do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think reading between the lines, there, I'm pretty sure everyone can assume there will be a subscription stock music library on Licked in the coming months. Let's. So no, I, I, this is not me announcing it. Like Drop we haven't scoop. done, we, we haven't done the deals. <laughs> it, it's this is a wish for me. This is a wish, but um, but plans are in place. Let's put it that way, and and it will be. It will be in the typical Licked style, the very best offering that we could that we can en enable for you. Paul, for those who have used stock libraries before, and we all we all have, there's often, and you mentioned this as well, genres. So it's like the action, the advantage of that hmm. you've got different genres of. Yeah. So with Licked, then, what's the best way to use it? Is there, are there going to be are there search filters? Like, what would be the tips to get the most out of it? Because we all know you can spend a day looking for the perfect piece of music. Now, it helps when you know the tracks in advance because they're established artists and established songs. So that would certainly be a big help. But just say you were just there to browse. Uh, at the moment, you would search Licked 
in in a manner that is hybrid between Spotify and a stock music company. So you can just go and say, I I want um, Iron Maiden, right? Iron Maiden is unlinked. So you can just search Iron Maiden and it will take you straight through to the Iron Maiden profile page like it would do on Spotify, right? Similarly, you can go into the advanced search and go, I want something up-tempo at 150 BPM that feels inspirational, right? And is rock-based. So there are all those filters there for you. So we've got both functionalities because we know people. When we started it, I was like, well, the difference between us and stock is that you can search by artist name, right? That's That's got to be up front and center. But I know that when you present people with something they've never seen before, it confuses them. So they also want people to say, well, and here's how you can search for something in the way that you normally do. Um, and that's also because at the beginning stage of the platform, the music wasn't as recognizable as it is today. So, Ant, do you reckon we could get Fear of the Dark on one of our future podcast episodes by Iron Maiden? Because that would be pretty cool. It would be cool. We'll have to um, get Paul's team to get the licensing for podcasts. But, yeah, I think so. I've still got Led Zeps just rolling around in my head, that, just, that guitar riff. Just... <laughs> this is cool, right? Like, it's cool that you can have popular or chart music on your videos but other than it being cool what is the upside for a creator other than oh hey there's recognizable music or i've got led zepp on my video significantly better engagement right so uh, i'll qualify that i don't know about you guys I, I i mean i work in what's called sync licensing and i have done since 2005 right which means putting music to picture synchronizing music and, and, and audio and video i have a playlist in my spotify account that that is called sync and it's the favorite songs that I've ever discovered by finding them on, on a piece of visual content, right? There's uh, Turn My Camera On by Spoon from a Jaguar ad. There's um, Cinnamon by Nina Simone, which I saw in the Thomas Crown Affair, right? The, the final scene. Um, I will always associate those songs with, with those scenes. But that's not usual. The point is, when you hear a really low quality stock music ripoff of one of those tracks and you go oh that's trying to be Coldplay that's trying to be Adele you do feel a bit cheated if like be honest you feel a little bit cheated when you're watching that content and you go I'm not watching something that's really well produced right when you watch content with music that you love and I have seen this and we have empirical evidence of it but when we see creators license songs that they love Sometimes that has pertinence to the subject matter. The level of engagement in the comment section goes through the roof, right? Engagement and watch time goes through the roof because people are watching more of the video, even if that just means they're sat there commenting, right? And not necessarily engaging with the picture. Um, but we all know that YouTube looks out for content on your channel that is peaking in terms of its performance metrics. Because this video might be worth pushing through that tributary into the slipstream, right? And into the algorithm. And if all of your performance metrics go up, then your revenue goes up, right? And ultimately, if your performance metrics going up and your revenue goes up and your audience goes up, that's what everyone's trying to achieve. So we've seen multiple channels double their subscriber base. And a couple of them I'm thinking about were in the fitness sector, right? Fitness instructors, for instance. I mean, imagine watching a workout at home in your living room and it's all to stock music, right? And it's not the good stock music that is 
drama, suspense, action, where they do it really well. It's, this is supposed to sound a bit like Dua Lipa, but it's not, right? It's the same guy that wrote the action stuff in his bedroom in Bournemouth, right? So the levels of engagement go up significantly. We've seen subscriber-based um, watch time engagements and comment rates and revenue go up on four or five different case studies that we've undertaken in the last three months now that we've got huge names on the platform. When you think about a filmmaker like a Martin Scorsese or a Quentin Tarantino, famously, the, the scenes in their films, the music is indelible. Like you just introducing bands that people hadn't even heard of for the last 30 or 40 years because the director loved it. And I could see creators doing that. You know, Yes, they will probably start with whatever's currently popular because people will recognize it. But then you've got the people who will say, I really love Badfinger. Like a, a band like that from the 70s that most people won't know, but they'll be reinvigorated because a creator they love will use it and suddenly that'll be associated with their video. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just a, just a comment that it, it... But, 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 but Lee, you're, A, you're absolutely right. B, I can remember the first time that happened to me on YouTube, right? I, I remember it was probably seven years ago, eight years ago, and I saw a video called uh, Grinding the Crack, uh, and, it, and, and, and it's a guy called Jeb someone or other who <laughs> squirrel suit flies down a canyon, right? And it was set to sail by AWOL Nation. And I don't know if you know that song. Oh, it's a great song. It was one of the, one of the best sinks I've ever seen because the guy was sailing, right? Yeah. And, and the music is so evocative and he almost killed himself in the video. And I was like, I love that song. It's going on my favorites on Spotify. Uh, and, and, and I just fell in love. And I remember thinking, that's the first time that's happened to me on a UGC platform. Yeah. I should have thought of Lick then, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't know why it took me another two years, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got two threads I want to go down and now we're hitting this sort of, this like you know back catalog of of music that's not longer no longer in the public consciousness like another great example and and the platform we haven't really talked about when we're talking music and content this is the you know the elephant in the room is tiktok like they are symbiotic from day dot right like and obviously tiktok has done the deal with the music industry um so that it is hand in hand contemporary or you know uh you know, pop, popular music is baked into the platform and that has both done really great things for um, the content and the content discovery and people engaging with it. Obviously, like you were talking about, the effect for YouTube and creators using this type of music. But then also the catalog the, the, for the artists, the benefit of like, you know, the biggest one is like Fleetwood Mac um, with the ocean spray, old mate riding on the skateboard. Like... It, you know, Fleetwood Mac is will never, never disappear from. Yeah, public consciousness. But it did rapidly expo expose Fleetwood Mac to a you know, whole new audience. And I'm pretty sure um, they went to, back to number one on the on the charts. Like it, just the impact back to the music industry as, as well. I guess can't be underestimated. Either. Listen, this is my argument to them. Right, so, so the music industry earns a lot of money from YouTube. It does. Right, and YouTube's proud of it, so they should be. And I'm talking about YouTube, the video platform, not YouTube Music, the streaming platform, right? Um, I don't know their economics and, and, and how well they're doing, but I know they're doing well. <laughs> the point is this. 90% of all views on YouTube come from the top 3% of channels. 
I'll say that again. 90% of all views come from 3% of channels and 8% of channels monetize. So that means more than 90% of all views come from the top 8%. And if we accept that the monetizing sector on YouTube on mass tries to avoid commercial music because it appropriates your earnings, then I'm saying to the music industry, you can only be monetizing 8% of all views on YouTube. Now, that might be 95% of videos. And that statistic has misled you that you think you're ubiquitous. But actually, all of the influence, all of the eyeballs and all of the audience are avoiding you. And a generation of people are watching television without hearing your artists. And that is nonsense. That is King nonsense, right? Sorry, excuse my French. So presenting these statistics to them suddenly wakes them up. Now, there's always the marketing department at a label that will go, I know, this is crazy. We're trying to get our music out there. People won't use it because of copyright claims. And then every other department saying, listen, don't listen to the marketing department, right? They'll give away anything for free. They just want to get things out there, right? Our job is to commercialize this. So you look at something like TikTok, Brilliant platform, done brilliantly for artists and for the music industry. But like I said earlier, you can't earn from your TikTok video today. You can earn because Ocean Spray comes along and says, why don't you do a video and I'll pay you 10 grand because you've got 100,000 average views, right? But you don't earn from the views. The moment that changes, music use on TikTok is going to change exponentially because that's when the claims will start coming. Because it will become a commercial use of music, right? That's a problem. That needs a license. And we, our Vouch software, we plan on plugging into Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, right? It's not just going to be a YouTube solution. But I agree with you. YouTube, TikTok's been incredible. I've got one eye on it. In fact, a friend of mine is an artist and his life changed recently because of TikTok. He has a song, he released it 18 months ago called Feels Like Summer. And... People started picking it up and using the chorus for when the summer hit, right? And whatever they were doing that day that made them feel like summer was here. And it became the most uploaded song on TikTok in the US um, and had over 100 million plays. And he went from, he's currently living in a caravan with no running hot water in the middle of the English countryside. But in the last three weeks, six of the biggest labels in the world made him life-changing offers to sign a sign a deal with him off the back of tiktok and he, I, i'm not kidding his name's samuel jack uh the song is feels like summer go and check out that hashtag on tiktok because you'll find like millions of videos but um changed his life are you expecting artists then to also be coming to licked so to say can i get my song on there please well, it happens every day yeah. It happens every day. The, the problem we have with that, right, cause, because the, the, there is a, a sort of a long tail, less popular level of commercial music, which is bedroom artists, right? And I support bedroom artists. The problem we've got is when we sign a label and they deliver us music, they have to integrate our software into their YouTube operations, right? And if Ant comes to me and says, I've got this great song, can I get it on Licked? But he's signed it to a distributor, who distributes his song to Spotify and to YouTube, and that distributor hasn't worked with us. I can't ensure that it's claims-free, 
right? So the music has to come through distributors to Licked in the same way that it goes through distributors to Spotify and Amazon and Apple. I love it when you unpack all these little complica- complex little things because it, you know, it does go to the heart and it does clarify why, for all the creators out there, why is this so hard or why is it has it been so hard and why you've been getting copyright strikes and also like so I, I i love that but i guess there's like one area in this and looking at it going okay you know putting music to pictures as, as you put it like you know for creators to use this music that's a skill that's an art yeah How, like you've done this for a while like what's your advice in in creators building that skill or, or building that muscle or it's a really good question. It's a really good question. I, I, I think in terms of the creative process, like how Sorry, do I... Before you, answer, before you answer that, Paul, how many really, really good questions was that, Lee? I think that was more than really <laughs> good questions. Technically, he only said that that one was a really good question. Yeah? Not your other one. <laughs> Sorry, I just needed the, uh, I needed the affirmation. Um, <laughs> it's the reflective glory. Continue, please, Paul. Yeah. Um, oh, it felt good. I think, I, think, I think the creative selection process is really personal. Right. I, I don't think you can teach that. It either works for you or it doesn't, right? But I can't tell you how many ads I've pitched the same song to in my life because I was like, this song needs to be on an ad. It was born to be on an ad, right? Uh, for, for a car, right? Or for a soft drink. And it always gets down to the last two, but, you know, the head of... PepsiCo's daughter preferred song B, right? And then they come back and he tests it by testing it on his target audience at home. And so it's very hard to, to influence that past a certain point. If you like the song, you might lead with the song and go, I'd love to make some content to the song, right? That's one way of doing it. How to, not professionally, but how to um, synchronize the music and edit it to picture really well. That's beyond me, right? I don't edit to picture. But there are, including on, uh, there's a Licked Tutorials YouTube channel, and there are many how-to editor channels out there that if you search how to uh, edit music to picture, or how to, right, that that, that will teach you how to do that very well. And let's not forget that sometimes it's just all about the feel, man. Like, it's just, you can't necessarily be taught the rhythm. Like, it's like, you either get it or you don't. I mean, but, but you, we've all heard a song for the first time and then played it 20 times, right? Yeah. Because there's something in there that gets you in your soul. You can't put your finger on it, but you want that feeling on that part of your body to just keep happening. And, and that's a good place to start. If a song has ever done that to you, think back about, close your eyes and just go, what sort of content would I want to see this alongside, right? Um, yeah, that's what I would say. And, 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 but people are getting so much better at it. We've seen... There's, you know, you, interesting things happen in the music industry in the pandemic, right? You said and earlier, touring's gone, lives gone, and that was a, a big portion of artists' revenues. Except for the fact that the metaverse has come along and provided artists with a live music venue, right? And 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 we're seeing suddenly loads of good music-related content come out from what were gaming channels. Uh, so we actually we work with with Epic Games and Fortnite on, on on concerts, right? We provide them a service in the back end. You wouldn't see it or know about it, but you know if you're a gaming channel that works with Ep- with Fortnite, uh, suddenly all the all the content that you're sharing, sharing and all your gameplay has music in it, right? 
Uh, and suddenly you're getting copyright claims. And it's, it's a new problem that we didn't think we'd have to solve, that we didn't see coming, but it's pandemic-specific, right? Um, so, yeah, I would just check out some of that content because... What, what happens with that then, Paul? If you've got a gaming channel that's using footage from the game which has copyright music and your channel is getting flagged for it, do they... What do they do? What, what's the advice? Uh, I can't go into the specifics of what we do with Fortnite, um, <laughs> but, but we, we provide them a service based on our route software for some you know, affiliates that, that, that they work with. Um, with others, it's if, if you're not an affiliate of Fortnite, then you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to put out that video that contains the music. Um, there's not a lot of advice, except for the fact that one day, whatever song, you're sharing from a metaverse concert will be live on Licked and you can just go and get a license for it and then put the video up, right? But, but we're not quite there yet. Well sold, well sold. <laughs> hey, um, we're running low on time, but I, I, we've got this philosophy theory of mine. I guess it's not a theory or it's a thing. I haven't put a name to it, but back in the day when we had a physical studio that you could go to regularly with a bunch of people, we created this experiment where we had this th- had this theory that everyone should have an entrance song, like a boxer, right? Like music, and we called it Mo, Music on Entry. We were very, very, you know, smart with our naming. We were very clever. Um, So this cat, Leon, and I created like a simple app. So like picked up your IP address on your phone as you walked in the door and on the server, and it would cut in over the music and play your entry music. It was a beautiful thing, and I think everyone should always have entry music, right? Like Homer Simpson's got Why Can't We Be Friends when he walks into the into the ring against Frederick Tatum. What would be your entry music? What's your music on entry? That Wow. I mean, I should, you should have prepped me for this. This, this is not an on-the-spot question. Sorry. It just came in, I, I was going to ask you something else, and then I went, you know what? This is my, this is my music thing. I, I, I think everyone should have an entry song. The, it, it, it will be one of those pieces, of, one of those songs in that playlist I told you about, right? Because... I've always wanted to create a piece of content to I want to be adored by the Stone Roses. It's it's so moody and there's one lyric in the whole song. Uh, I don't need to sell my soul. He's already in me, right? Which which is such a dark, moody lyric and I love it. And everyone, all of us have got a bit of a dark side, right? So I kind of like that. There's a song called At World's End by a, a band called The Black Chords, which not many people oh, yeah. know about. That was one of the songs I was always trying to get in a car ad. But when it kicks in, I, f- I feel motivated. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with those two for now. Yeah. Well, we, I've got a, a, I haven't updated it for a very long time. We have a music on entry Spotify playlist that's shared. I'll, I'll share that again with everyone. And Paul, I'll add you to that. And you can collaborate on that. And you can drop in, drop in a couple. Lee, what would yours be? It'd be something metal as anything. You know, I, I was thinking there's so many death metal songs that I really like, but I don't know if I'd use that as an end. I probably would, actually. But for some reason, I want you, She's So Heavy, by the Beatles off the uh, classic Abbey Road because it's got such an awesome driving killer, arguably a stepping stone to like black metal with the riff that plays behind it. And the lyrics are just, I want you, She's So Heavy, pretty much the whole song for seven and a half minutes. But, like, <laughs> yeah, just it's such a dark-sounding song that I just love it. See, we've all, we've all, we've both got dark already. And you've got to go bright now. I'm working on sunshine. <laughs> well, I do have a few that we cycled through, but there was for a long time, and I think the original one that I went with was, was Kanye, Good Morning. And it's just, it is kind of uplifting, and it is, you're going to go out there and crush it. And, you know, entry music almost, almost always needs to be, have that, it's got to have a good, 
driving beat that that a lot of hip hop's just always going to come through with the goods on. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah, that's true. So check, well, check out At World's End by 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 the Black Chords because that the driving beat on that you'll you'll love when it, when it kicks in. No, I love it. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna I'll share this. I'll share this with Paul. I'll share it. With, it's a collaborative. Uh, playlist i'll share this with the, the listeners as well let's get some suggestions on this thing it's pretty good there's i'm going back to it and and um yeah leon fitzpatrick was the the collaborator on that back in the day so shout out to leon on that one um but paul from licked the ceo co-founder of licked look thank you so much for hanging out with us we have run out of time it's been super interesting and hopefully we've demystified the music licensing mumbo jumbo that uh, many a youtuber has had to um face in their their career and, and and you know it's cool to see what you guys are doing and, and hear your insights so i'm looking forward to to getting a couple of million songs on out there on the on the platform well i appreciate that and i appreciate your time and the invite to be on on the podcast you guys do a great job um you know i i, 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 I if i had a if i had a, a jerry's final thought for you right or a pause final thought I, my message to, to be creators would be to get behind us and that's not because you know, I've got any fiscal ambitions, right, that, that I want secured. I would just say that, you know, I, I, I'll tell you this. I've spoken to creators who get excited about what we're doing and are and, and motivated by this problem being solved forever. But then say to me, have you got artist A? And we say, not yet. And then they walk away. And, 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 that, and that doesn't happen often, but it's happened once or twice. And, and that frustrates me because... I've got, we have got this company this far and this solution this far. But for, for all of us to hit the promised land of 70 million songs, it's going to take the creator community getting behind Licked whilst it's imperfect, right? Because if we wait for it to be perfect, we are, we're absent from it, right? Every dollar I send to the music industry gets me another song on the platform, right? Uh, it's crude economics but that's how it works i prove that people will license music they send more music so th- this is this is a creator's platform it's not mine right it's it, it's your solution it's your platform and we'll get you to that promised land if we do it together if they just if it's just me going into boardrooms right it's going to take a long time i love it that's great paul Rock and roll. Let's leave it on that. Thanks, mate. Good man. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, guys. Create a generation. Look on the mic.